I just want y'all to know this is what happens when you do me wrong right here. You see that? <laughs> Teach you to talk back, won't it? What you lower my chair for too. I see you did that as well. Um, we're going to miss him, won't we, when he heads off to school. He's been a blessing and we're very thankful to have so many of our kids that have been involved in ministry and and uh, we give them that opportunity here because you don't have to wait to be an adult to be in ministry and be on the front lines, and that's important to us. I don't know what you came expecting today. Uh, I pray that you've come to listen to, uh, to what God's Word has to say, and in the midst of our time, you will leave here today with something that you didn't have when you came in, whatever that may be. And that our time together would be one of challenge as well as encouragement. So they made comment. And by the way, Brian did come up with that, that some are wise and some are not. Don't let him fool you. Right? Not, not, isn't that right? Oh, that was Hux that did that. Okay, okay. But anyway, I thought it was pretty good. So um, I approved it. I'll take the blame on it. But I thought it was pretty good myself. And so uh, we will start this coming Thursday, which is June the 1st. We'll start Proverbs then, so don't wait till next week, you'll get a little bit behind. Um, the goal is not just to read through the book of Proverbs, the goal is to read through the book of Proverbs, listening for God's voice so that we can become wiser people. And so I would love for you to commit with us. I would love, this is really what I would love for us to flood social media with a set of pictures and which is great and all that kind of other stuff and things we're against. I would pray that we as a church family would flood social media with God's word, the Proverbs, as we walk through Proverbs, and that every day you would find something that would be of a nugget for, of truth for you to be able to apply to your life as well as encourage the rest of us. And so as we walk through that maybe every day you would seem, if you're on social media, that you would see the need to maybe post something that you've read that has been an encouragement to you and that can be an encouragement to others. And so, so we've been in this series and we're going to finish up our time today. And I thought we would finish it up on a, it's a woohoo day today. And so uh, anyway, um, uh, we've been walking through this series that we called press because there's just a lot of things that seem to be pressing down on us as individuals and families in the day and time in which we live. And last week we sort of dealt with the issue of excess baggage, um, the issues that we face as we're walking through line. And, and some of us just have a way of compiling and putting more of that stuff on us. And it just causes more and more stress and more pressures. And last week we talked about unmet expectations. We talked about untreated pain, unresolved conflicts. We talked about uh, unhealthy views of ourselves as well as unconfessed sin. And um, what we ended up learning last week is it's really easy for us to pick up and be deceived from the liar himself and listen to messages that aren't not the truth. But for us to know the truth, we have to read the truth and know the truth, God's Word. And God's Word is such an important part of all of this that, we, that, that we've been talking about. And I, I left you sort of last week with three truths to hold on to. Number one, uh, and these are simple. These, these are really simple and easy. Number one, uh, God, God loves me, and that's, that's foundational. God loves me, God frees me, and God also restores me. In other words, with all this junk that I have a way of putting on my shoulders, um, we end up carrying stuff a lot of times that is just completely unnecessary. And why in the world do we even do that? And one of those things is the issue of guilt. Um, 
And what guilt does is it, it has the ability to not only rob us from the freedom that God expects and intends for us, but it also in, impacts the intimacy and authenticity of our relationships that we have here on earth. And I'm specifically going to talk today about guilt as associated with that, that it's associated with you having wronged or, um, or failed in an obligation towards someone else. And as a result of that, there's a sense of indebtedness on your, your part. Uh, you owe somebody something. Maybe, maybe you've heard the comment before, or maybe you yourself have made that comment, I, I owe you an, an apology. Now, my, when I, I will confess something to Meredith sometimes, and I said, baby, I'm sorry. And she say, for what? You know, she wants to know the details. The details are very important because, you, you know, that you don't want to get lost in all of that. But anyway, guilt is that feeling that I've done something wrong. I haven't lived up to an expectation. And as a result, I feel indebted. And, and with unresolved guilt, this is really important. Um, it's not something necessarily that we can run from, but it's, it's, like, uh, it's, it's like an infection that spreads over time. It has a way of just multiplying over time. But I think it's really important for us to understand this today is that guilt is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And when kept in the dark, it grows. But when it's brought into the light and it's exposed, it has a way of losing its grip that can be so destructive. Does that make any sense to you? Yes, very much so. Um, and so since guilt is a consequence of a debt owed, there's really only two, there's only really two options. And the first one is you got to repay the debt, make things right. But that can be easier said than done if the person that you wronged isn't around any longer. Or number two, cancel the debt. That the person that, that you wronged, that you hurt, um, that they choose to cancel the debt. But in both of those situations, it requires something that we aren't really good at, and that is confession. It's an acknowledgement that we'd made, that we did something that was wrong, and that we confess. And so confession is important, and this is what I want you to hear today. Confession is what breaks the power of guilt. What confession does is it closes the door on guilt, and it opens up the door to, to healing. Because confession is not only the acknowledgement, hey, I've done something wrong, I've made a mistake, but it's also a declaration that I want to make things right and I don't want to live in the dark anymore. I want to experience freedom. So are we on the same page? I think that a yes would help me out an awful lot. Okay, yeah, I think that would be really helpful to me today. And there's so many people that desperately desperately, desperately desires freedom. And yet, they aren't willing to take the steps needed to experience it. Are you with me? And so talking about confession, one of the things that we want to talk about today is that the Bible says a whole lot more about confessing to one another than it does confessing to God, and I say that, and I think that you'll agree, and that you'll you'll understand this, because how many times have we wronged somebody? We acknowledged it within ourselves, and we go to God and we ask Him for forgiveness, and we think everything will be good. In other words, if you're a teenager, you cheat on a test, you go, "Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again," or let's just ramp it up a little bit. 
your spouse and you ran around on your spouse, maybe it wasn't your spouse, maybe it was your employer and you're willing to go to God and you confess that and you just think, well, I'm good to go. No more problems. And that guilt will just sort of fade away. But what we're going to see today is that God talks an awful lot more. The scripture talks an awful lot more confessing our sins one to another and going to the person that you've hurt than bringing it to him because God already knows anyway. Amen. I mean, I, I, I grew up believing this. Listen, <laughs> I may not see what you're doing, but God always sees. I used to tell my kids, man, I just want you to know daddy knows everything. I see everything, everything that goes on. And if I miss it, God sees it. I used to tell them that all the time. They used to think I had eyes in the back of my head sometimes because of some of the things that I would say to them. And, uh, but sometimes we think if I, I go to God, I'll be okay because I feel a little bit better. Um, but when you've hurt somebody, you've wronged somebody, there's more that needs to be done. Confession just isn't about telling God about all the stuff that we've done wrong, but it's willing to, being willing to be able to go to those that we've wronged, that we hurt, and confess our actions to them. In saying that, I want to take you back and I want to look at a couple of passages today. Let's begin in the Old Testament. Let's look at the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Let's go to the book of Numbers and let me read a passage of Scripture. So here is the Lord going to use Moses. He's going to speak to them to talk to the Israelites in reference to the relationship to one another. And in Numbers chapter 5, verse 5 through 7, this is what the Scripture said. The Lord said to Moses, so the Lord gives Moses this instruction to give to the Israelite people. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, man or woman, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they're guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wrong. So here's an example of God saying, listen, when you, when you commit a wrong against another person, just don't bring it to me. I know what you've done, but what I want you to do is I want you to locate the person that you've wronged, and I want you to confess to them what you've done, and in turn, I also want you to make restitution. Well, turn over to the New Testament with me just for a second, to the New Testament book of Luke, one of the gospel, the gospel of Luke. Chapter 19, there's a story there in the gospel of Luke about a man by the name of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus the tax collector, uh, who had an encounter with with Jesus. Jesus, knowing the reputation, didn't ignore Zacchaeus or walk away from him, but instead he engaged him and he said, look, buddy, hey man, I see you. I tell you what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to your house today. And there's so much that I could say about this passage of scripture as it relates and the implications in reference to us uh, having a relationship with those that are far away from God. But that's not what really what we're talking about today. But here's Zacchaeus that wouldn't have been the guy that you invited to your kid's birthday party, all right? Because everybody would have known that this guy was despised, he was hated, and nobody wanted to associate with him. But here's Jesus that reaches out to him and he embraces him. And man, I love that because I want to be that type of person. Man, I want to, I want to be the type of person that, that embraces the person, that reaches out to the person that feels like, man, there's just no you, there's no hope. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. And so I love what Jesus did. And Zacchaeus came to experience in that moment the unconditional love of Jesus and believe that he had come from God. And that he ended up confessing that he had abused his power and his position. He had stolen from those that he, would, that he was taxing. 
And Zacchaeus went on to, after this engagement, to make some pretty bold moves in his life. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to take half of my possessions that I have, and I'm going to give them to the poor. And on top of that, those people that I've wronged, those people that I've cheated, those people that I've stolen from, I'm going to take and I'm going to give four times back what I've taken from them. That's the kind of stuff that happens when you have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. See, it's, it's, not just, it's not just the stuff, but there's a heart change that happens. Amen? See, you can come to church all your life and never experience heart change. You can be baptized and not experience heart change. There's something, though, that happens when you have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. No Jesus, no change. No Jesus, no change. And so, anyway, Zacchaeus tells him what he's going to do. Uh, Jesus didn't ta- stop him in the middle of that and go, oh, buddy, it's, it's, listen, don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. You've confessed it to me. You've done your part. Mm-mm, that's not what happened. But when Zacchaeus said that he was going to restore what he had stolen and he admitted his sin, Jesus' response to Zacchaeus was this, salvation has now come to this household. That's what he said. In other words, there's, it's pretty obvious that there's a connection between Zacchaeus' confession and what was going on in his, in his heart. That what was coming out of his mouth, that there was a connection to what was happening inside of his heart. Well, let's go to the, let's go to the, the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is preaching. And, and where Jesus is preaching near the end of chapter 5. And And basically, he says something along this line that if you're on your way to the church house, if you're on your way to the synagogue to make things right with God, to make a sacrifice, and all of a sudden you realize that there's an issue with somebody else, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to stop and I want you to go to your brother. Jesus said, I want you to stop and I want you to go make things right with him. And you, you might be thinking, well, I don't, necess- don't I need to make things right with God first? And then I go to them and, and he said, no. He said, no. God already knows. If you've wronged somebody, if you feel that there's something that's going on, if there's a hindrance that's taking place, if you've wronged somebody, I, I, don't, I know that you feel compelled to talk to me. But what I want you to do is, first of all, I want you to go to them and I want you to make things right. And then come back to me and make your sacrifice. And then you've got the story of James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 5, which, verse 16, which makes this statement, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James didn't say, confess your sins to God, but he says, confess your sins one to another. Why? So that you can be embarrassed? So that you can be humiliated? No. So that you might be what? Healed. Healed. How many of us are walking around with an open wound? How many of us are walking around with guilt that is, that is zapping you from your, your spiritual growth from freedom that God desires from us. And so as we read God's word and what it has to say about confession, this is what we come to learn that the goal of confession isn't about having a clean conscience, a clear conscience, but it's about the changing of our hearts. See, see, that's what the, the, the end result of confession would not just be feeling better, but 
there's something that happens within our heart. There's heart change that takes place. There's healing that takes place. See, my confession isn't about covering up, but it's about choosing to acknowledge a wrong and to seek to make things right. How many of you have ever told a lie? Don't tell a lie right now. I'm just going to assume without you raising your hand. I know Brian Broom raised his hand. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that most of us, if not all of us in this room and all of us that are listening to my voice today uh, online, that you have at some point in time told a lie, something that was not true. And for various reasons, it may have been to keep from being punished. It may have been to keep somebody else from being punished. It may have been to avoid embarrassment or it may have been um, to win the admiration of others. Have you ever, have you ever made something sound a little bit better just so that you could look better? You ever done that? You know, the fishing story where he caught one this big and then, and then Butch says, oh no, I caught one this big, you know? And so, um, that may be true. I'm not really sure if it is or not. And, but, uh, and so after a while you may feel bad about what you do. And so you go to the Lord and you ask the Lord for forgiveness. Hang, hang on with me here for a second. So you may feel bad about the fact that you lied and you go to the Lord and you, and you ask him for, oh, Lord, I, would you, Lord, would you please forgive me? And you feel a little bit better until the next incident and you lie again and you repeat the process. Um, you felt bad, you go to the Lord, you ask him for forgiveness, you feel better. Even though the fact that you're against lying and you don't want to be called or labeled as a liar, you, you continue to struggle with the truth. But what... What would happen if instead of just going to God and asking him for forgiveness, what happens if you were to go to the person that you had lied to, that you had not been honest with? What happens if you were to go to them and confess? Hmm. As hard as it was, you were to tell them the truth because you didn't want to juggle that guilt any longer because you wanted that sore, that that to heal, you, you, you wanted to experience freedom in your, in your heart. Um, what would happen if you just didn't go to him, but if you were to go to the person that you lied and you were to confess to them? Because see, what happens when we listen to the Holy Spirit, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we acknowledge the fact that there was a wrong, I sinned, I did what was wrong, and we obey God and we, we respond accordingly. I'm going to tell you what begins to happen. There's something that begins to happen in our heart because God just doesn't want us to feel better. He doesn't want us to just feel better. He wants our hearts to be transformed. Okay, so let's, let's take it as a teenager. So let's say that you cheat on a test and you go to your teacher or maybe you lie to your parents and you go to your parents and, and, um, and you take your punishment, whatever that may be. But as an adult, it's not as simple, is it? Because it may be what, maybe it wasn't a test that you cheated on. Maybe it was your spouse or maybe it wasn't um, something that you stole from your parents. Maybe it was something you stole from your employer. And what do you do? Because you know the consequences. You know the potential consequences. And see, the circumstances surrounding that may not be so simple. As a matter of fact, in, in getting an F on a paper, maybe it's the fact you get a spouse that walks out to say, I'm done with you. 
And so, but before you say anything, I, w- <laughs> I, w- I want to make this statement because I think this is really, some of you guys are already thinking to yourself, so if I confess, I will only cause more chaos and confusion, not only for me through others, but for also for others. So wouldn't it just be better for me not to say anything and be quiet? Anybody ever done that? I get it. I understand it. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can feel the tension there because I've been there. Maybe, maybe you have as well. But make no mistake about it. This is important. Confession isn't what hurts people. Sin hurts people. Let me say that again. Confession isn't what hurts people. Sin hurts people. Our secrets hurt people. They not only hurt our secrets, not only hurt us, but it also hurts those people around us. By the way, don't ever think that your secret is a secret. Whatever is done in darkness will, be, will come to light. As a matter of fact, Paul said when writing to the believers at, at Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians, he said, when Jesus returns, he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. In other words, at some point in time in life, that which is done in dark will be brought to light. Not only be brought to light, but even the motives behind what you did, which can be pretty doggone scary, Right? Because sometimes it looks good over here, but on the inside, what's going on, on the inside isn't right. Because you know, you know what's going on. Yet how many times do we avoid confession because we're fearful of the consequences? How many times do we avoid being truthful because we're fearful? Never understanding the danger and the destruction of concealing. One person wrote, and I, and I, I paraphrased it, when sin goes unattended and unconfessed, the more deeply rooted it becomes and harder to deal with as time passes along. The quicker we can detect a wrong heart condition and get it straightened out, life will be easier and the more freedom we will experience because unconfessed sin leads to a decaying and deformed heart. So let me just say, let's, let's just say, for instance, that you were in the position of God, that you were God, and that you loved your children as God loves his children, okay? Let's just say that you were in that position. What advice would you give? Oh, well, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to find out anyway. Or would you say, listen, I know this is going to be really tough. I know this is going to be hard, and it may even be painful. But aren't you ready to make things right? Aren't you tired of living in the dark? Aren't you tired of of all the, 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 the feelings and the emotions that you're walking through, hiding and carrying that extra extra baggage? Aren't you tired of carrying that stuff around? Aren't you ready to confess and to move on and to move ahead? Because this is what I've learned, and don't miss this. You can, be in, you can be free and be in prison, or you can be in prison and be free. See, you may not be physically in prison, but how many people are walking around? And in our churches today, that are behind prison doors, not physically, but spiritually and emotionally. <laughs> I want you to listen to a story of a friend of mine. Watch this video. Hey, church family, my name is Ron Hawkins, and me sharing my story today comes as a result from several things. One is a very intense men's discipleship group that I was part of for the past nine months. Also, Sid 
prompted me to share my story, and as you all well know, it's kind of hard to say no to sin. First off, over the past year, I have become keenly aware of many of the sins and mistakes I have made over my past. Sins that have affected me, and not only just me, but many of the family and friends that I love the most. A catalyst of my awareness and spiritual growth has not only come from my time in God's Word and seeking to obey the Lord, but it has also flowed from the men's discipleship experience that I mentioned earlier and the encouragement of accountability and authenticity. And secondly, my prayer is that it would be a word of encouragement for you, that you do not have to be harboring guilt and sins, but come to the Lord and confess them so that you can be the bright and shining light that the Lord wants you to be. After serving in the United States Navy, I returned to my hometown in East Texas, Jacksonville and quickly proposed and married a girl several years younger than I. There are many reasons given by couples that eventually divorce, and one of them happens to be infidelity. The broken trust in a marriage is the aftermath of that sin, and that was the reason for ours. She was the victim, and I was the perpetrator, and it was ongoing throughout our marriage. Our two sons were already living life independently. Yet the hurt that they endured over my past sins and behavior was something I wasn't sure that they would ever be able to forgive me for, and it haunted me daily. Although I had experienced Jesus' salvation as a young teenager, I was obviously doing life without Him, and the feeling of brokenness and helplessness was nothing but a result of walking without Jesus. Even though I felt isolated and alone, nothing was further from the truth. A close friend and a one-time co-worker was quick to come alongside of me and point me to Jesus. And even though I had turned my back on the Lord, one thing I learned, the Lord never turned His back on me. As I continued to hear my self-confidence slowly began to return as I learned more about God's love for me and His forgiveness, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross covered it all. I eventually met a woman in that church that was widowed and had lost her husband of 30 years to cancer. Over a period of several weeks and then months, our friendship grew, and she too was very helpful in my spiritual growth and healing during this time. By sharing with me her own personal story of loss and grief, she showed me that God's love was real and it was tangible. Her name is Jan, and we will celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary this September. Jan and I were married in the very church that we met. We both knew in our hearts that our meeting and our subsequent marriage was a result of circumstances that came about as a result of God's love for us both. I was confident that God loved me. At the same time, I had lost so much. I had lost my, my job, my career. I had lost income, a support system. I had lost family members in terms of the shame and the guilt. Yet at the same time, I knew that God was restoring it all slowly. And Jen was a major part of that. And she helped me grow in my self-confidence. And we've eventually began a relationship that became stronger every day and that God was a part of every bit of it. 
guilt from the consequences of my sin were still on my mind, and more so in my heart. Last fall, I was approached by joining this intensive men's discipleship group, and I excitedly accepted, even knowing the strenuous expectations. One of the assignments given was to write a letter to our wives and to let them know what it is that we loved about them, and also to be completely honest and open with all sins and behaviors in the past, and to let them know that we love them just as much as Christ loved his church. It was hard, but I knew what the Holy Spirit was asking of me. And as I opened up about my past with Jan, regarding that period of sinful behavior and running from God, her response was, most of it I already knew. I honestly think that that is what Jesus is asking for all of us to do, so that we are no longer carrying the burden of unconfessed sin and huge amounts of guilt. Guys, you don't have to carry that sin and burden for those many years like I did. You can go to the Lord at any time. You can confess your sins and your wrong behaviors of the past, and Jesus can reconcile it all. His pastor said today, it isn't the confession that hurts people, it's the sin. Personally, I'm a work in progress, but I'm so very thankful for what it, God is teaching me. And even though I love each and every one of you, Jesus loves you more. Ron, are you here this morning, you and Jan? You here? Stand up, please. Ron sent me the passage of Scripture, one of our memory verses during our time. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your mighty works unto a new generation. Uh, Ron, you just did that. Um, so what about you? What do you do? What if you're bogged down by the guilt of the past and things that you've done? What if there's wrongs that you've committed instead of just going to God, be willing to go to those that you've hurt and that you've wronged? I want to, instead of just carrying around that guilt, I want to give you a couple things that are just helpful tools, Okay. Just helpful tools. Number one, I want you to write this down. Acknowledge the sin. Be willing to acknowledge the sin. Confess it to the Lord. Yes, confess it to the Lord, but acknowledge it. And be open and willing to talk to somebody about, about where you've been for accountability and encouragement. That was what Ron did. He shared with the group some of the things that he'd experienced in life. And they prayed for him. And they prayed for one another as they, they had an opportunity to talk about those things. Secondly, after acknowledging your sin, number two, be, be, be willing to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom and make contact with the person that you've wronged or have you, that you've hurt. Be willing to sit down and confess with them what's, what, what's taking place. No excuses. No holes barred. No, no excuses. Just tell them. So acknowledge, pray, seek to make contact with the person that you wronged. The third thing is this. Make things right as best as you can, which might be impossible in some circumstances. I understand that. But seek to make things right. 
restitution, to do what's right. As Charles Stanley would say, he just passed away and we lost a, a great man who, who was a great theologian, who was a great pastor, but he was also a great man of God who said this, obey God, leave the consequences up to him. Amen? That's important. Remember, confession isn't what hurts people. Sin hurts people. Sin's what hurts people. The path to freedom begins with the dissatisfaction of living in the dark and carrying around the weight that is so burdensome. So how's your heart today? Is there something you're carrying around? Is there that sense of guilt that you are experiencing? Is there anything that needs to be addressed? Is there anything that needs to be talked about? Is there anything that needs to be brought to the surface? It wouldn't surprise me if there were many. The people of Israel had disobeyed the Lord time and time again, and God had promised Yet he had promised them that if they would confess their sins that he, and turn to him, that he would restore them physically and spiritually. And this is what the Lord said in Ezekiel 36, not chapter 6, 36, verses 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart. You heard it read earlier. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you and you will be you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations see when we repent and we and when we turn to god confession not only breaks the power of guilt but it also is the precursor for a clean heart amen I go back to the book of Psalms in Psalms 32, and we read some of it last week. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who, re, who record the Lord has cleared, of, uh, has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Who knows what it's like to lay their head down at night and be just overwhelmed and burdened by all this other junk. I mean, how many sleepless nights are there in the lives of some people because of all the unconfessed sin that they've got going on? When I refused to confess my sin, it says, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to you, Lord, and you forgave me all of my guilt is gone. And for those of us that are believers, we celebrate this Memorial Day and for those that have given their life so that we could experience freedom here on this earth. We're one generation away from forgetting those that have given their life. Are you with me? We're one generation we're one generation of forgetting those. That was set aside, Memorial Day was set aside years ago so that we would recognize and remember those who had given their life so that we could experience freedom. Do you know we're one generation away from forgetting what Jesus has done for us? I'm not talking about freedom here in America, but I'm talking about freedom from sin, the bondage of sin that so totally overwhelms us. 
Jesus became the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins once and for all. And for those of us that are Christ's followers, the blood of Jesus covers it. He covers it. So maybe there's some of you here today that needs to deal with the issue of guilt. There's maybe some of you just like Ron that says, man, listen, (laughs) there's some issues I need to deal with. I'm not going to ask you what those issues are today, but what I am going to ask you to do, if that's you, there's some things in your life that's been weighing you down that deals with you having wronged somebody, hurt somebody, and there's some restitution that needs to be made. There's some confession that needs to be made. You're getting really nervous, aren't you? The only thing I want you to do is I just want you to stand this morning. There's something in my life that I need to deal with, and I, I, I want to acknowledge it today before the body, whatever it may be, maybe something small, maybe something large, but there's something in my life that I need to deal with. First, acknowledgement. Second, pray. Be willing to confess. Make that restitution. Make things right. If that's you today, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but all I'm going to do is ask you today, would you be willing to acknowledge it here in this group of people and body of believers? Would you stand with me if that's you? Anyone? Anybody else? Anyone else? First of all, the first step is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Something that needs to be dealt with. I'm carrying this burden around. Today I want to acknowledge it. Anyone else bold enough in this group? I want to pray for you today. Thank you for your, your courage. Yes, thank you. I know that there's others and you're fighting it right now. You're struggling. I just, I know that because I, I know that in a group this size, you can't tell me that there's not more stuff that's going on, baggage that we're carrying around, excess guilt from stuff in the past. But I am so thankful for those of you that have been bold and courageous to stand today. I'd love to be able to pray over you today because the decision you're making, what you're saying right now is the starting point to healing. That's what it is. It's coming out of the darkness and saying, listen, I don't want to live this way any longer. The acknowledgement that there's an issue that's taking place and that I need to deal with it, whatever that may be. Father, I'm thankful for this day that we have for these that have stood this morning acknowledging that there's an issue of guilt from the past that needs to be handled. Father, I'm praying today for strength and courage in the lives of each one of these that are standing today. For, Father, those that may not have have felt very uncomfortable to stand for whatever the reason it may be, Lord, I'm praying that there will be a a sense of your presence and they would be so uncomfortable about living in the dark any longer, recognizing that the longer we live in the dark, the easier it is for that sin to take hold and to destroy us and decay and to form this heart in which you want to make new. Jesus, thank you for the blood of Jesus that that covers all of our sins, whatever they may be. And that, Father, that you have the ability to give us a new heart, a transformed heart, to release the burden and the pain and the suffering so that we can find freedom in you and not live in that bondage any longer. As we prepare this morning to walk out these doors, may we be your instruments of peace and hope into a world 
that is struggling. May we recognize that, and Father, may we bring them the hope of Jesus because Jesus is the only thing that changes our lives, nothing else. Thank you for the privilege of gathering in your place today and listening to your word. May we leave this place with a nugget of truth that is helpful for us as we live out our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before you guys leave, let me just do this. Thank you for those of you who stood. Let me say this. Man, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, what stops you, what keeps you from making the most important decision of your entire life? It's important. And today, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you're wrestling with that, I'm going to be down here for the next few minutes. We've got some extra time this morning. Um, Ron, again, thank you for being willing and open and authentic enough to share your testimony. Maybe there's some of you that may need to see Ron about issues in your life. I bet you Ron would be willing to talk. As a matter of fact, if you've been through one of the intense discipleship classes and you're here this morning, would you stand this morning? There's different people that are scattered all over the place. These guys are warriors. They're not perfect people. But they've been willing to open up themselves and to walk through a, per a process seeking encouragement and accountability in their life. And if you're here today and you're struggling with something, I'm just going to go out of limb to say, you see these guys, you seek one of them out. Because I promise you they'll sit with you and talk with you and walk you alongside of this journey. Please be willing to join us in this, in this series in Proverbs. You guys can sit. As, uh, I don't know, but if, if something I need, Meredith used to tell me when I would say, what are you praying for? She said, I'm praying for wisdom. You know, uh, she didn't say better looks or anything. like. I guess I'm good looking enough. But she used to always tell me before we got married, I'm just praying for wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And we're going to be in the greatest book of all when it talk, comes to wisdom in the book of Proverbs. I pray that you would commit to read. It's a great time to read along with your children, to read the Bible as a family, not just as an individual. And so I want to encourage you that to join us. I know it's two months, but it's two months of a plan that we've set out for you. And I pray that over this two months, beginning on June the 1st, that there may be some of you that would be willing to post things on social media about what you're learning in Proverbs and what God is speaking to you. That's all I'm asking of you. Now, what I'm challenging you to do, man, go out and enjoy your Memorial Weekend. Remember those that have given their lives. But most of all, go make a difference. God bless.